0: Exodus chapter 15. And we will go from there. I'm going to read the first few verses, actually about the first 19 verses, I think it is. They have just crossed the through a very dry Red Sea. God has miraculously brought this about, and they are going to rejoice. Matter of fact, Moses is going to sing a song. And here we go. If you're following along, Exodus 15, 1. For tuning in online, welcome to Little Sandy Baptist Church, our Sunday evening service and encourage you, if you live here close and do not have a regular church home of your own, encourage you to worship with us anytime that you can. Reading from Exodus 15, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. "'The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. "'The Lord is my strength and my song, "'and he has become my salvation. "'He is my God, and I will prepare him an habitation. "'My Father's God, and I will exalt him.'" The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast into the sea. His chosen captains also were drowned in the Red Sea. The depths have covered them. They sank into the bottom as a stone. Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy." And in the greatness of thine excellency, thou hast overthrown them that rose up against thee. Thou settest forth thy wrath, which consumed them as stubble. And with the blast of thy nostrils, the waters were gathered together. The flood stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed. in the heart of the sea, we're reading from Exodus 15, now verse 9. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall be... Destroy them. That's the enemy. Back to God. Thou, this bloweth thy wind, and the sea covered them. They sank as lead in the mighty waters. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like unto thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand and the earth swallow them. Thou in thy mercy hast fled forth the people which thou hast redeemed. Thou hast guided them in thy strength into the holy habitation. The people shall hear and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestine. Then the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them, all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away, fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm, they shall be as still as a stone, till thy people pass over, O Lord, till thy people pass over, which thou hast purchased." Thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in, in the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. For the horse of Pharaoh went in with his chariots and with his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters of the sea upon them. But the children of Israel went on dry land in the midst of the sea. And we'll finish the rest of the chapter here momentarily as we go through the message. Let us pray together. What I pray that you bless the reading of your word to our hearts. What a marvelous song by Moses, perhaps the very first song all in recorded history. What a marvelous God you are. And so, Lord, as we look at this, may we rejoice together in what you have done for them, what you did for them, and what you will do for us and what you will do for us as we seek your face. May we have a mighty revival beginning in our church, our area, this pastor, that we be revived to the work that you called us to do, that we will maintain our light and, and Christian uh, Christian uh, respectability or and our testimonies to be right with you. May we have a, a light that goes positively out into the community. So, Lord, bless the message. Bless Cindy uh, teaching downstairs. I pray that you just bless, I thank you for the visitors this morning, I pray that you bless some that perhaps they will come back and visit with us again, and so Lord, just uh, we pray for your hand upon the message this evening, Just name I pray, amen. So we see a great, first of all, we see a great victory in the first 10 verses of chapter 1, and we see then deliver, the deliverer, the deliverer in 15, or 15 verse 1, the song then sang Moses, Music's played an important part as you well know in the history of mankind, in the Bible, etc. This is again perhaps the oldest recorded song in the world. And notice we do not have a melody for the song, but the words are so important. And we talked about music this morning, Mister Womack did, and how we are have songs. Our songs need to be the right formula of words, and there's a melody, and then there's a harmony, and then there's the rhythm, the right musical composition. If you look up any serious music composer uh, of yesteryear, it is always melody. Then harmony and then the rhythm. We have it so out of stretch. We have rhythm, 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 rhythm. A little bit of melody and no and no harmony at all. And it's, that's not music. I, can I just that's not traditional music. That's I'm just saying that's not really what we'd call traditional. It doesn't follow the the basic synopsis of what music is. That's, that's personal feeling, but that's just what it, way it is. Anyway, music music has been such a big part. What I like about this. Is the deliverer, it's a song of deliverance. It's not like Moses said, Look here, look what my rod had." when I put that rod out there. Did you see the, did you see the water's part? It's no. He likes he takes his rod and points to Jehovah. What a wonderful God that we have. He points like he pointed his staff right at God. Say, take a look at him, what he has done. One great principle of worship is that it's unto the Lord, not unto man. When we worship God in song, our audience is the Lord. So when we sing those songs, how can I fear Jesus? You I know, mean, we should really, that's, Lord, thank you. How can I fear? Jesus is near. He watches over me. Uh, Lord, I need you. When, Lord, don't we need the Lord? And so we are singing amazing grace. How sweet the sounder. How great thou art. And that's the idea of songs There's no reference in this hymn to anything that Moses had done. There's no reference to any of his bravery or his brilliance or the logic of Moses. All the glory goes to God. So one of the most impressive things about Moses was that Moses was a mature believer. Now, what is the mark of mature believer? And Joe Temple says this, the ultimate test of maturity is whether or not a man can give all the glory to God. The ultimate test of maturity. Whether or not a man can give all the glory to God. The song I played this morning, to God be the glory, great things he hath done. Let me just say, if anything's done for God and you do something for God, it's he does it. If you do it on your own, for your own purpose, it's not worth a hoot. So what you're serv- how you're serving the Lord, how you're giving your tithes, how you're praying, how you're telling others about Christ, it's for him. It's not for you. It's for him. Interestingly enough, tied into this is Psalm 106. You want to hold your finger there and look back for me. Psalm 106, 11 and 12. And I, and Spurgeon has a very poignant comment on this. And I thought we'd look at this. covers this story or this song, if you would. Psalm 106, 11. Psalm 106, 11 and 12. Psalm 106, 11. By the way, I am really working on slowing down. I'm trying to slow down. I'm asking my wife now every Wednesday, was it slower than last week? And so... It's like when you hear that you want to hear the truth, but you don't want to hear it. Well, you know, you read that one passage, so fast we get heart, And I want her to be honest, you know. And so, Psalm 106, 11. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. Now, do you see a little bit of a hiccup there? And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. Well, why would they? There's the aspect of faith they were, and we'll see in a few moments what the result was, but listen to this, quoting now from Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, preached in the 1800s, Metropolitan Tabernacle, I believe was the name of his church, or not but it was a large church in the area, and people just thronged to hear him preach. They believed the promise when they saw it fulfilled, but not until then. This is mentioned not to their credit, but to their shame. Those who do not believe the Lord's word till they see it performed are not believers at all, he says. Who would not believe when the fact stares them in the face? The Egyptians would have done as much as this. They sang his praise. How could they do otherwise? Their song was very excellent and is the type of song of heaven. But sweet as it was, it was quite as short And when it was ended, they fell to murmuring. They sang his praise, but they soon forgot his works. Between Israel's singing and Israel's sinning, there was scarce a step. Their song was good while it lasted, but it was no sooner begun than over. End of quote. And you will see into the same chapter, we start, well, what about this? We have this waters, you know, there was the complaining, grumbling starts. He hath thrown, in verse, in verse 1 again, back to our text in Exodus chapter 15, verse 1, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. That meaning there is hurled. It gives a great picture. Can you imagine these walls of water and the chariots going through and all of a sudden the walls collapse? It's going to be, it probably kills, I can imagine the heaviness of water probably kills a lot of them right immediately or drives them into the ground or they break on the chariots, etc. We know the chariot wheels fell off. God did a great marvelous work. I like what Mr. Schutz. Uh, The songwriter said, sing praise to God who reigns above the God of all creation, the God of power, the God of love, the God of our salvation. He's a righteous God. And sometimes we look back in the Old Testament and say, wow, the Lord must be, and that's the angry God of the Old Testament, and we have the loving God, Jesus. It's one and the same. The Jehovah of the Old Testament is Jesus of the new. And so you look, we just don't have, you and I do not have And see the sinfulness of sin and the holiness of God. God cannot abide with sin. That's why when we sin, God convicts our hearts and squeezes real tight sometimes. Man, you gotta straighten up. You gotta wake up. God sends wake up calls to people even today. I've seen recently in uh, in people's lives in our church. God wakes them up, and and sometimes there's a wonderful response to that. Where do you got my attention? What do I need to do now? Sometimes God does that. But he's a powerful God. And in verse 2, And the Lord is my strength and song, and he has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Do you see how important? My Father's God. This is the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses is promoting. It's not a bunch of gods. It's not a multiplicity of gods as the Egyptians have. There is one God. Three persons, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all working together in seamless harmony. But there's one God, three persons, and he's saying this is the same God that our fathers worshipped. So the deliverer, Moses, strikes a home run. He sang unto God. Secondly, is destruction under here, 4 to 10, chapter 10. Fifteen, verse four. Pharaoh's chariots and his host hath he cast in the sea. He cho- the, even his chosen captains also are drowned in the Red Sea, and the depths have covered them. They sank to the bottom as a stone. Can I just say the idea again of a real narrow Reed Sea, only about ankle deep, does not fit anywhere in Scripture. I'm telling you, he destroyed them. The Red Sea was a a big. It was a big deal. It was a big deal. I, 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 there's a there's a girl I work with now, woman I work with, has on her, I'm kind of a big deal. And so let me just say, this is a big deal. This is a big deal, what God does here. Again, what I talked about last week, how it's equated with the resurrection in the New Testament is the parting of the Red Sea and the old. Oh, that's what people, you want to talk about one miracle people know, maybe perhaps David and Goliath that battle, but the one miracle of God that we know, wow, is this. The depths covered them. Interesting, uh, one man says that strikingly impressive or expressive of the utter and remedyless overthrow of the enemy, so completely were they plunged into the depths of the sea that they could not rise to the surface, being probably for the most part encumbered with heavy armor, which would effectually prevent their rising or floating while the guilt of their sin weighs still more heavily upon them. How apropos, why are they in the Red Sea... Because Pharaoh says in verse 9, the enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, my lust shall be satisfied upon them, I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. Uh, I don't think so. You have chosen to stand against Almighty God. You have just been through the most harrowing ten plagues into your own land. You've destroyed your own nation, but I'm going to have my revenge No, God is going to have his revenge. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. That's why we are to turn it over to him. And we're not to be vigilantes about things he's going to repay. Verse six, the right hand of the Lord has become glorious in power. The right hand, O Lord, hath dashed in pieces the enemy. Now, in the the Bible language, I I know there are a lot of left-handed persons, and and my wife has two left-handed siblings, the right hand was is simply picked as a symbol of strength. So if you want the right hand, uh, if, if, if you'll see some films, he sat at the right hand of so-and-so. It means like you are the place of power. That means that God has a strong right arm. Does God have a right arm? Think about it with me. Does God the Father have a right arm or a left arm? Jesus does. Jesus, God. But the Father is a spirit. The Holy Spirit is a spirit. So, Anthropomorphisms, which is giving a physical characteristic to God, the eyes of God. Does God have eyes? Well, no, He's a spirit. He dwells in light, which no man can look into. Now, Jesus humbled Himself, and He has an everlasting body. He has eyes. He, he has, matter of fact, He has hands with nail prints. He has a side with a nail print in right or his feet with prints in his nail uh, nail prints and his feet. He has those things, in actual body. But the Father, He is glorious but to help you and i to understand the bible gives god's characteristic like ours the right hand the eyes of the lord are looking to and fro or you see what i'm saying the ears of the lord are listening and that so help us to understand and put it together so it's called anthropomorphism giving human characteristics to god Spurgeon says this, what the power of, now this is regarding the the Pharaoh and crew being sent to hell, if you would. What the power of God's anger is in hell and what it would be on earth were it not in mercy restrained, no man living can rightly conceive. He says modern thinkers rail at Milton and Dante and Bunyan and Baxter for their terrible imagery. But the truth is that no vision of poet or denunciation of holy seer or prophet, can ever reach to the dread height of this great argument, much less go beyond it. The wrath to come has its horrors rather diminished than enhanced in the description by the dark lines of human fancy. It baffles words. It leaves imagination far behind. In of quote. He says there's no human author can possibly depict the horrors of the Christless eternity, burning in hell, he says. Instead of making it worse, we can't even get there. If you've read Dante's Inferno about that, the, the nine is it nine circles they have? I forget, but I've not read it. It says, "Abandon all hope, ye who enter there." Enter here, and that is so true. Well, I think, Pastor, that one day everybody who's in suffering will eventually end up. They won't end up in heaven. A lot of them. You gonna tell me that Saddam Hussein? Osama bin Laden, who's been anti-God ever since, wants to go. He doesn't, they don't like God. You think Mao Zedong, communist, you think the people who are running the... Com, you think Xi Jinping, Xi Jinping has any desire as the leader of communist China to be in heaven with God? Now, he will maybe one day, but right, he has no time for God now. And God will have, respectively, no time for him either when it comes. He stands before him. Dash simply means also shattering, a violent breaking. They were dashed. Verse 8, in the blast of thy nostrils, the waters uh, were gathered together. The floods stood upright as a heap, and the depths were congealed in the heart of the sea. Now, I'm thinking of soured milk. I'm thinking of cottage cheese that you forgot was in the refrigerator, and you open it up, and it's got blue on top, and it's congealed. Or it's that grease you cooking and then they get up the next morning when I cook I've, I've come on this thing I really like doing which I think works out pretty good works for our family anyway putting your on your grill firing up your grill taking an iron skillet putting it on the grill and pouring in your grease and getting it real hot and cooking it outside your chicken in the grease oh man it's like really really good and then you bring after you get done it gets cooled off you bring it in and you pour all that grease into a can and let it set overnight and after it's set overnight it's what congealed that's what we're talking about here the 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 depths were congealed they were dry when israel it wasn't like it wasn't like that it was like wow this is dry as a bone because god remember god sent the east wind all night long dried it up and away they went congealed verse 9 Here's the enemy. I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My lust shall be satisfied upon them. I will draw my sword and my hand shall destroy them. How, how ludicrous. It's like those people who face, shake their fist in the face of God today and say, I'm gonna, I'm the most important thing. We have arrived. We are the I don't know, say we are the champions, that's just a song. We are this, we are we're not. We are not, we are created beings. He is the creator when are we going to learn to humble ourselves before an almighty God? Humility. Something you and I have to really work on. You will never be over what God will put under you until you are under what God has put over you. I was explaining that to my co-worker. He said, I like that. Thought-provoking. Adrian Rogers had a lot of good thought-provoking thoughts, but that. You have to be obedient to that and you have to be willing to be uh, surrendered. So aka he wants payback in full he's not going to get it 15 or 1510 thou this bloweth thy wind, the sea covered them, they sank as lead into the mighty waters. It's like I remember I was fishing, uh, and we were kayak fishing down this. Uh, we went to Scott's Depot over in uh, Virginia, fishing down the James River, the small section there. And we were having, I mean, we caught almost a hundred smallmouth between the three of It's it like the, one of the best days ever I had fishing. And I got caught sideways in my kayak, and my kayak turned over. And it had this really nice rod. I mean, uh, it's like a three three which is a really nice rod and reel. And it went under. And I said, "Oh, I've lost my favorite rod and reel. That's warm." And Ian got out, and it was so shallow he could wade up there. And he got it right back out and picked it up, and got, "Whoa, oh, man! Wow, I was I was pretty good. Woohoo! Sank as lead. That's, that's my my fishing rod and reel under the water. If you've been in a kayak, if you get sideways and you turn sideways, and then the water catches you, there you go. And thank the Lord, it was a shallow enough to where we could just walk through." I almost put my foot on a snake that day as well. But we caught a lot of... I got so bad sunburned, I had to go to the doctor and get... I had... My legs were red. Oh, my goodness. I wore sh- uh, fishing shorts that day for like eight hours in the hot sun, and it baked my... It burned my legs. And, I, and Brother Fox, why are you walking like that, Tim? You know, so when I went in there, and I was working for Brother Fox. I said, well, well I went fishing, etc." My story yesterday... Was I, I was uh, I was mowing the grass. I went under the, the. I have some of Mrs. McCarty's trees I planted who've really grown great. This first one though has must have spider pods or something. I don't know. It's got worms. I went under it too far and I dropped on the back of my neck some spider or something. At least 50, 60, 70 bites, and I was swollen up. And then yesterday morning I went to the. I went to get some medicine yesterday morning. I was going to go to the the viewing for uh, or the visitation for Mrs. Mann. But I with urgent care because it was so swollen on this side right here. And I still have the residual marks, but I I just I should have come in and showered immediately, but I went ahead and finished the yard. And so I went and I went in, I took off my shirt it was like, I got pictures of it, but you don't want to see it. But wow. And it was but anyway, the Lord watched over I'm glad if I was allergic to spiders, I'd have been pow, I'd have been in heaven. Woohoo. The great victory the glorious vision. I've got to put it, uh, uh, we're going to get finished. <laughs> Verse 11. Uh, you probably didn't know what, well, 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 but just be careful if you're mowing the yard and there's spiders in the trees, don't go too far under them because they can fall down the back of your shirt. I wonder why I kept itching and kept, what was all that? You know, usually don't do that, but I went on ahead like an ignoramus. Glorious vision, there is glory in 11. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Thou stretchest out thy right hand, and the earth is swallowed. What a really, it's a, it's these words, the superiority over is affirmed of the true God over earthly princes and potentates and all other false gods and fictitious gods of Egypt a contrast is presented like this between the omnipotence of the former and the impotence of the latter. The great God can do and does. Their puny gods can do nothing, but yet they worship them. And so God was going to be vindicated, and that's what he told the people from the get-go through the plagues, we see in twelve, thou stretchest out thy arm. What a hyperbole! Verifying the rather strengthening the prior description of God's right arm, He's, His glory. You're going to get glory, guidance. He led forth the people which He had, thou hast redeemed. Uh, we find that God was watching over His people and and, and leading them along, and that they were. And uh, we find that even the Egyptians, at God's direction, really were following the Hebrews, and so that He could get His vengeance upon them. The, the grounding, the Peter, people shall hear him and be afraid. Sorrow shall take hold on the inhabitants of Palestina. It is not like that Moses had a, posted a YouTube video of Israel crossing the Red Sea and sent it to all the people of the promised land and said, look, this is what we can do. The word got out. Matter of fact, in Joshua 2.9, Rahab says unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land and, and that your terror is falling upon us terror and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did unto the two kings of Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. By the way, if it was a little old reed sea, only about five inches deep, it wouldn't have been such a big thing for the people to have heard. The very tidings, it's almost a prophetic thing. They're gonna be disheartened. When you get in there they're just they're they're gonna melt with fear. fifteen. And the dukes of Edom shall be amazed, the mighty men of Moab trembling shall take hold upon them, all the inhabitants of Canaan shall melt away. The four nations Philistia, the coastal part of Palestine, and the Philistines often fought with Israel during the early centuries of her existence. The Edomites descended from Esau, there in the Transjordan area, Southern Transjordan Area, Moab, right there on the above above the Dead Sea, there, Moab, uh, the home of, of the descendants of Lot, Balak, Balaam, Moabites, the Canaanites, of course, uh, inhabited the land of promise, etc. And they were destroyed by the Hebrew invasion. Many of them were. Fear and dread, sixteen, shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arms shall, shall be as still as stone till thy people pass over, O Lord. He's purchased them. They're his purchase. He's paid for them. He's bought them. It means acquired by some effort, the word purchased. It means created or gave birth to, both requiring strenuous effort by the creator or the begetter. So he, by strenuous effort, purchased his own people and brought them forth out of the land of Egypt. What a wonderful thing it was. 17, thou shalt bring them in and plant them in the mountain of thine inheritance in the place, O Lord, which thou hast made for thee to dwell in In the sanctuary, O Lord, which thy hands have established, plant just the opposite. They are a nomadic people, perhaps, we tended to be. And Abraham was a nomadic person. We might say he settled down here and there. But here they're going to plant themselves and be stable in the land. The Lord, 18, shall reign forever and ever after such a great victory. We can sense that Israel now really believes this. And they were ready to let the Lord reign over them. It's going to be good. We think it was For a time, the greatness. For the horse of Pharaoh, 19, uh, went in with his chariots and his horsemen into the sea, and the Lord brought again the waters upon them. I like this. On the other side of every miraculous intervention by God on our behalf, there is a road of faith to travel. On the other side of every miraculous intervention by God on our behalf, there is a road of faith to travel. Whether God's power has touched our health, our finances, our family, our relationships, we must not only praise and thank the Lord, but to obey him as well. The stunning events recorded in Exodus show that it's possible to experience God's power, yet remain spiritually unchanged. To keep that from happening to us, let's use the sweet memory of yesterday's miracle to encourage a bigger step of faith today. It is about faith. That was from David McCaslin, Our Daily Bread. It is about faith. So God brings us through. And we we are to continue to have faith. And then we find the glorifying. We've not read this yet in, in the 1520. But Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye to the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown in the sea. So Miriam leads a song of blessing, of glorifying God for all he has done. So that's the great victory, the glorious vision. And now we hear the griping voice in uh, 22. And here's the wilderness. Fifteen twenty-two. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the wilderness. Of sure, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now this is the no water test. Weersby says, as Andrew, quoting Andrew Bonar, "Let us be as watchful after the victory as before the battle." We are watched for the battles coming up, and we're praying, we're praying, we're, we're asking God to intervene, and God intervenes. And sometimes we let down our guard, and then we slip back into doing something else we shouldn't have done because we're not continuing to trust the Lord all the way through. It's possible, Wiersbe says, to win the battle and yet lose the victory, which is what the Jews did as they left the Red Sea and began to march toward Mount Sinai. They forgot that life is a pilgrimage during which we must learn new lessons and fight new battles. One great victory doesn't settle everything. We need challenging new experiences that will help us mature and glorify God. Yes, life is a school, and the Lord knows just when to give us an examination. (laughs) It's true. We think, just isn't the Christian life a marathon? It is. We have a victory here. We have to be watchful there. We slip there. A victory, and it's we have to constantly be on guard. It's. I will tell you. The world thinks that it's for wimps. Christianity is for wimps. I It is just the opposite. Christianity is a far more strenuous life to live, the right kind of Christian life, than it is just to simply fold along with the world. One pastor calls this section the steps to Sinai. Thou shalt not. Thou shalt not bellyache. Or how to live by sight and not by faith. And if you, were, uh, one man did a critical study of this word murmuring, it's not simply a disgruntled complaint. Quite the contrary, it describes an open rebellion. Here's where we start this murmuring. I think it's the first time used regarding the people. They're, they're going to, and it says in verse 20, and when they found the water, came to Mara, they could not drink of the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara, and the people murmured against moses saying what shall we drink that was the wilderness there's the water god led into this place of bitterness for his providence they were not there by mistake remember god brought them to the uh, red sea as just as well as delivered them through, through the red sea and now he has this for them it's god's direction they were not there because of bad luck by the way for the believer i don't believe in, I with, in such a thing as luck for god god's overseas all of are doing they were not there because they could not read a map. The way they got to this place was by the providence of God, for they were led by a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. And there's the wondering, what shall we drink? The word murmur is the first time used in the Old Testament. From this inauspicious beginning, the beat will continue to reflect a rebellious attitude of the Israelites against their leaders. The question would seem to be a fair question, but clearly their attitude was far from genteel, if you would. I like what Alan Carr says. Life is like a great giant laboratory. Every experience, whether good or bad, x rays our heart and reveals us exactly as we are. This bitter time of Mara revealed certain, certain characteristics about the Israelites that they probably would rather have not known. Have you found that to be true? Your trials reveal who you really are. If you're listening to God, now I tell you, when I look in the mirror, I don't like a thing I see pretty much anymore. Uh, why is your face red? I can tell you why my face is red tonight because I'm taking steroids for the get the swelling now. That's why my face is red. I got five, four more days. And so it turns your face red, et cetera. Makes you, I won't say it's hot flashes, because that would think the wrong, but it's, it just makes your face red and you get pains different places as steroids for you. Some people, doesn't affect that way. But we, we find that but the x-rays of these tests that we come, you know, I, I failed. I, I, lots of times I failed. We don't want to hear that, but it's true. The great victory, the glorious vision and the griping voice. And finally, the godly vindication. 25, there's a provision, provision from God for us, for them. And he cried unto the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree, which when he had cast into the waters, the waters were made sweet. There he made for them a statute and ordinance. And there he proved them, tested them. It's like if you have a new car uh, and you take it out, what they're going to do, I don't know how many they do, of uh, the Teslas or Chryslers, I or, uh, don't have Pontiacs anymore, but Fords, they take them out and they'll drive them over these courses and they'll whip them around, hit the brakes, all these kind of things to see how long they were going to last. Can it stand the test? Is it safe for the road? They were proving the automobile. They're testing the automobile. Now God announced to them, is testing them, if you would, God is a different teacher. He gives the tests first and the lesson afterwards. He gives the test. Now, what have you learned from your tests? And here's the lesson of the test. Well, I need to do this, this, and this. And that's what he's done for these people. He gave them a test. And I want you to know how they did on this test. They failed miserably, started murmuring. It's sort of like the boy who went to his college professor and said, Professor, I don't believe I deserve this F that you gave me. And the professor, professor said, son, I don't believe you deserve it either, but it's the lowest grade I had. And that's how often we fail the test that God gives us, provision. And there's a promise in 26. It says there for us in 26, and said, If thou wilt diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and wilt do that which is right in his sight, and will give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases upon thee which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. See, they would never have known about Jehovah Rapha if they had not gone through that test, the Lord who heals. Reminder to all of us that a test and trial may be bitter. It is always better to go through in God's will and with his gracious provision, for when we come out on the other side, so to speak, we have a new, fresh understanding of God, who he really is if we will hang in there and trust him all the way through instead of kicking, you know, digging in our heels and, Lord, you've got to get me out of the cro- crock pot and i have a microwave problem. Do it now. And, now, just calm down, Tim. If you want to walk with me, let's put you back into the crock pot and you can simmer down there. And if you'll just wait, just take a step away from the problem. It's his problem. If you're walking with God, now if you're not walking with God and caused your own problems, he may want you to repent and do so, but if you feel you're right with God, the answer has to come from you. Just, I have no answers for this one. Finally, Tim, you're finally to where I want you to be. I don't have, the, okay, now that's, now that's the first step. It brought them, it says, it brought upon the Egyptians. The, the testing is a proven quality of someone or something and doing so often through adversity of hardship. As the following context makes clear, the purpose of divine test was to determine if Israel was going to truly be loyal. We brought you through here. If you're going to be loyal, it's going to be blessed upon us, upon you. F. B. Meyer says, "Our joys and sorrows, like the varied products of nature, lie very close together. One moment we're singing the joyous song of victory on the shores of the Red Sea, and vow we will never again mistrust our God." And then by a sudden transition, we find ourselves standing beside the moral waters of pain and disappointment, and we are inclined to murmur at our lot. I like, I tell you, I like the Red Sea crossings far more than I like the no water. But it takes that balance. So we had the provision, the promise, the pausing finally in 27, they came to Elam, where were 12 water, wells of water and three score and 10 palm trees and they encamped there by the waters. While God had brought them into no bitter water tests, now he gives them relief. He does the same in our lives after our tests. Remember, you're either in a test, you're coming out of a test, or you're getting ready to go into a test to give you some wonderful pur- wonderful news. You're either in a test now, you just got out of a test, or you're getting ready to go into one. And that's, that's life in the Christian world. I like what Catherine Booth said, uh, husband of the starter, I believe, of Salvation Army. How wisely God has apportioned our cup. He does not give us all sweetness, lest we should rest satisfied with earth, nor all bitterness, lest we grow weary and disgusted with our lot. But he wisely mixes the two, so that if we drink the one, we must also taste the other. If the earth were simply all joy, we would not look forward to heaven, would we? It was all a piece of cake. And you could eat cake without gaining calories. If we could do all those things, we would not look forward to being with Christ. A humble Christian, when beset by a tremendous trial, misquoted scripture, but found it of great comfort, he said this, I'm so glad the Bible tells us it came to pass and not it came to stay. It came to pass. And that's our trials. We put them in God's hands. They will come. Do you understand how I'm saying that? They come to pass we will get his help. We can get through them and then they don't come to stay. I think they stay a lot longer when I don't learn the lesson. (laughs) I'm thinking, let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text. We thank you for the provision for Israel that brought them through this marvelous uh, transition to the Red Sea. And Lord, yeah, I see myself here just as plain as the nose of my face. Uh, that we often, you do so many good things for us, and we have such a short memory. We forget all these things you've done for us in the past, and we come to another cul-de-sac, if you would, and we stop, and we just whine, and we cry. And Lord, why is this happening? And, And Lord, you know better than I. You know the end from the beginning. And part of this is just letting go and saying, Lord... We can't do it ourselves. Lord, give us the courage and grace to do that. May we humbly walk with you. May we learn the lessons. are those in our church family who are going through mighty tests, and there are some, right, even this week, strengthen them, Lord. Help us all to rely upon you and to not despair when you are on our side. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.